Friends, will you please pray with me? Loving and gracious God, speak to us in this, our modern time in this place. God, fill the rafters with your spirit and our minds and hearts with your inspiration that we may be and become the children you have always dreamed of, the people that you know we are deepest down. We ask this in Christ's name, who is our rock, our redeemer, and our friend. Amen. I am someone who the easy, simple things are easy to forget and ignore. It's easy for me to miss the easy, simple answer. And I think when I look at friendship as a way that God loves and shapes us, as a gift that blesses us, it just seems so easy and simple that it's hard for me to pay attention at first. Scripture is full of stories of God showing up in really big ways, right? Leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, 40 days of Mount Sinai engulfed in darkness and flame, a bush that has a voice coming from it as it is on fire. There is God's voice breaking through the heavens, ripping apart the cosmos as Jesus is baptized, coming out of the Jordan River. God shows up more than once with a little bit extra dramatic flair. But just as often in Scripture, God shows up in the everyday, the easy to miss, the natural world where there are plants and seeds and grain and rain and creeping and flying and swimming and walking things, all of them receiving what they need to live. We can tend and care to the earth and receive life from God and forget what a gift it is. We can overlook how it is an instrument of God's love to us all. Robert Dykstra, who is a pastoral care and counseling professor at Princeton Theological Seminary, tells this great story about a young man who has a family member who is a indigenous American, uh, a Native American who's uh, a shaman. He is a healer. He is a medicine man. And part of that tradition is that he wears a bag of medicine all the time, everything that he does. And it connects him to these sources of spiritual and earth healing. It's really important what is chosen and it is in that bag, but you don't ever let anyone see what's in there. That's a part of the medicine. Well, this young man decided that that was just too much of a mystery, right? Like what is in the bag? And so at one point he goes over and he uh, opens the bag when his relative is sleeping, and he's surprised, not by the treasures that are inside, but how simple it all is. There is a feather and a couple of stones, herbs that he has seen be used in different rituals of healing. It's all so ordinary, and yet it is this source of power and of healing. Dykstra asked us at one point to think of what it would be for us as pastors and people who practice pastoral care, what would be in our medicine bag, a crayon used with sitting with a child in the middle of a crisis, 
maybe a little bit of tissue offered at a funeral, the visitor's badge for the hospital, the parking spot for the retirement community, a little bit of bread stained with Concord grape juice, has to be Concord, a little dirt from a retreat center picnic table, those splinters that are there when you're in a long conversation and don't realize that you are gripping on for dear life because something amazing and sacred is happening. A petal of a flower from the bouquet given to someone by the deacons. Simple, everyday objects. These simple things that God uses as tools to remind us that we are beloved. Working with youth and children, a good part of my day is spent trying to remember in Scripture and in our world what are those ordinary things that are worth pointing out where God's invisible love becomes present, where the day-to-day is transformed by the incarnation of Jesus' freeing gospel. God reaches out through the ordinary all the time, and when I think about friendship, its medicine bag would have things like that basketball that is thrown for hours talking about what's really bothering us. Or the shoes that we walk around at night sharing our scariest hopes and looking at the stars and dreaming. The bus where everyone is asleep except for the driver and your friend and you're huddled in the back and you can really talk. The dance of the fire pit's flames as you're lost in the light with someone else as you share these true bits of yourself. It's easy to overlook the ordinary tools that the Holy Spirit uses to care for us. But it's important every now and then with the overlook to stop and pay attention. Even if our youth, even if you all don't always have words for it, the love of your friends is a source of deep and abiding connection to God. And I think you know that well. As an only child, I found myself constantly wanting and seeking out deep and meaningful friendships. I was a little bit of a loner, but when I found people who wanted to be friends, I would throw myself in with abandon. I thought that even if I didn't have language for it, friends should give everything they could to one another. And I have to tell you, it did not go well. (laughs) I found friends who didn't actually care that much for me, but by what I had to offer. When I risked being vulnerable with people, I got burned over and over again, the worst being when my best friend in seventh grade, when I shared with him my increasing awareness that I was gay, He decided that that was a really good way to make himself popular by telling the popular jocks at our school. These kinds of betrayals, I think that's why sometimes as adults we get anxious with young people's friendships. We've all had moments where we've been burned by friends who aren't the ones that we should give everything to. They're not the ones that we should be vulnerable with, and it can be hard, and we can get anxious because there's things like peer pressure and friends who push people to do things that they're not ready for. But just as we can be anxious, it is also important to realize that maybe a part of why youth friendships make us nervous 
is that we remember how amazing those times were, how important those friendships were, how they connected us to deep parts of who we were, that existential sense of wonder. Who are my people? What am I about? What is my life going to be? So I want to let you all in on a little secret. When our youth look at us adults, when they look at our friendships, sometimes we make them pretty afraid. It's not just them making us uncomfortable. It's not uncommon for young people to describe being an adult in the following way. Lonely, stressed, and lacking passion for life. Many youth worry about us, and they worry about our lack of friends. One way I've heard it described is that adults gain the whole world, but lose a part of their souls in the process. The part of our souls that are known and knows another person. That friendship that's worth laying it all down for. Friendship can be a source of connection to God. And that is kind of dangerous. As I was getting ready for this sermon, I kept thinking of that quote, that quote about Aslan in the, wild, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mr. Beaver is talking with the children, and they are asking, is Aslan safe? And Mr. Beaver says, of course he's not safe. He's good. He's the king. But he is not safe. And I think when we hear the story about Jesus, it can be a shock that being friends and being involved with God, it is not safe. And I think it makes us all kind of uncomfortable. But in the same way that God is good, that Jesus is the healer and the redeemer of the world, and that nothing in life or death can separate us from the love of God, just because it isn't safe doesn't mean it isn't good. But there are some guides along the way. What I love in our story today about Jesus and the disciples is that he makes clear that he has shared everything with them, that he has learned about who God is. He has shared it all, and they haven't run away. He's told them some pretty challenging things. You will eat of my body and drink of my blood, and they did not leave. This is an interesting group of people, friends. He has told them, it is not going to end well for me. This is not going to go in any way that someone is going to think is a win. And yet, God's love will prevail. And they're still there. He's told them the hardest parts about who he is, those most vulnerable bits that no one would feel comfortable sharing unless they knew that they were loved and that these were people that you could trust. That's who Jesus calls his friends. He says, I chose you. You didn't find me. I chose you. But they've stayed around. There has been a vetting of these friends over time. Which is funny, because spoiler alert, they're all going to run away. And Jesus is going to go find them and bring them back. 
I wonder a lot as adults, when we think about our own spiritual lives, how we can learn from children and from young people. And this has been an interesting sermon to be working on this week, let me tell you. This has been a fun time of thinking, what is the lesson that our young people have to teach me? Us, hopefully, but me in particular. And I think one of the things is this idea of reconnecting with those friends. When I was in seminary, I made some of the best friends I've ever encountered. Young men that I could share just about everything with. We talked about difficult relationships with our dads, friends whose parents had died when they were very young, folks who had overcome incredible challenges in their lives, our fears about what it was going to mean to be a pastor in the world, so many things were shared. We lived among each other. We traveled with each other. That's a good way to get to know your friends. Put a bunch of seminarians on a cruise ship and see what happens. It is... If you're still friends after that, those are are your people. We had small group discussions. There was one that was a group of men where we shared our journeys and our desire for friendship and how hard and lonely that was. And when I look back this week as I have been thinking about this sermon, I realize that I need to reach out and say, I'm thinking about you. There were parts of God's love that you helped bring into my life. There were people who taught me what it meant to have healthy boundaries with friends so that I had time for the romantic relationships in my life or time for my family, but also honoring my friends. When I think about our young people and the concern that sometimes they have for us about our friendships, I realize that maybe as a spiritual practice, Caring for friendships is something that I should spend some time with this Lent. So a little while in the service, we are going to come to our time of our declaration of faith. We usually say words of folks who have encountered God throughout history and time, what scripture has led them to believe. But our affirmation of faith is going to be a little bit different. You're going to be invited to think of a person, a friend, living or someone who has died, someone who showed you a part of God's love, and to share it with a neighbor. Or if you're like me, and there's someone that is on your heart, maybe pull out your cell phone. Yes, I'm saying you can pull out your cell phone in church. I am a youth pastor after all. That's what I do. You're invited to pull out your phone and to text that person and just say thank you in whatever words you want for that part of God's love that that person reminded you of. Because for all of us, there's someone and there's actually a huge cloud of people who loved you into the people you are today. And for our friends, let us give thanks to God. Amen.